This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. We're going to talk about several different topics today, but one of the topics I promised I would talk about today is whether Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide or not. Did Jeffrey Epstein, the convicted and alleged pedophile, did he commit suicide in New York City in a New York City federal penitentiary or correctional facility just a couple weeks ago. That's what we'll talk about at least half of the show today. Thank you for joining Exposing Washington. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network. You can visit our website, AFR.net. That's simply AFR.net on the World Wide Web. You can also download the app, the AFR app, on your uh, phone or tablet device. It's a great way to, to catch up with all uh, that American Family Radio is doing, and it's free. Download the AFR app for free. Lastly, you can keep up with Exposing Washington on YouTube. Just type in Exposing Washington. We have a channel there, and the show is uh, the video of the show is aired each week there on YouTube. And uh, lastly, you can follow me on Twitter. Just type in Walker Wildman on Twitter. Various ways to keep up with the show, and we're glad to have you with us today. Before we talk about Jeffrey Epstein and the, the mystery surrounding his, what is being called a suicide, let me just say that, uh, I want to talk about a few different things. You know, last, uh, last year at some point, we talked on this show about how the Trump administration was considering moving various federal agencies out of Washington, D.C. And we talked about how good this would be, how good of an idea it was, and now we're actually seeing some of these ideas come to fruition. What am I talking about? Well, news broke over the past few weeks that at least two federal agencies are moving either their entire operation are part of their operation out of Washington, D.C. and to Colorado. And uh, let's see, Colorado is one state they're moving to. And then Kansas, Kansas City, is the other one, other city that these federal agencies are moving to. The two agencies I'm talking about here is, first, the U.S. Drug Administration, USDA, the second agency is the Bureau of Land Management. Two federal agencies moving out of Washington, D.C. This is good news, and here's why. When agencies of the federal government move outside of Washington, D.C., and I'm not talking to Baltimore or, you know, to Northern Virginia, because that's the suburbs of Washington, D.C., basically— I'm talking about moving to a different state. 
I'm talking about moving hundreds, thousands of miles away to a completely different state, completely different area with completely different people, with a completely different workforce. That's what's going to happen. And why is that good? That's good because when a federal agency moves out of Washington, D.C. and moves in to another state like Colorado or into a city like Kansas City, the workforce is made up of everyday Americans. Will some of these employees move from Washington, D.C. to Colorado and Kansas City? Maybe, and we'll talk about that. But the vast majority of employees now that will be working for these federal agencies will be made up of average Americans. And I'm not talking about they'll be it'll be made up of conservatives, Republicans, Democrats, or liberals. I'm just talking about people from both parties, people from both walks of life that are just average Americans. And the good that comes from that is these federal agencies get out of the groupthink that goes on in Washington, D.C., and they get in an environment where there's people from all walks of life that work for the federal government instead of career politicians and career bureaucrats that run and work in these federal agencies in Washington, D.C., might I remind, remind you that over 90% of registered voters of voters in Washington, D.C. vote Democrat. That's what the numbers have shown. The District of Columbia, during a presidential cycle, over 90% of the voters from the district vote for the Democrats. So that shows where they stand on the ideological spectrum. Moving federal agencies out of Washington, D.C. is a brilliant idea. What are the benefits beyond simply hiring Coloradans? Well... Here's another benefit, and the chief of staff for the White House alluded to this at a fundraiser in South Carolina. Here's what Mick Mulvaney said happens when you move federal agencies to a completely different part of the country. More than half the employees quit. More than half the employees quit, and you say, well, Walker, how is that a good thing? How is that a good thing? I'll tell you how it's a good thing. We shrink the size of the federal government by doing this we immediately begin shrinking the size of the federal government which which uh, congress will not do on its own thus the executive branch has to take the prerogative here and this is no insult to f- to someone who works for the federal government they can people can work for the federal government that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but what is wrong is that we have way too many federal government employees we have way too many federal government employees and our federal government waste too much money on these different agencies and so conservatives have been trying for years unsuccessfully to shrink the size of the bureaucracy of the federal government in Washington, D.C. What is President Trump doing? He is shrinking the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. How? 
He's moving federal agencies out of D.C. proper. Absolutely brilliant idea. Kudos to President Trump. Kudos to Mick Mulvaney. They are making the right move here. So uh, the USDA, or at least parts of it, and the Bureau of Land Management, at least parts of it, are moving out of Washington, D.C., where? To Colorado and Kansas City. So the workforce of these agencies is no longer going to be completely Washington bureaucrats, hardcore Democrats. It's going to be made up of average Americans, if you will, that are well-connected with the reality of middle America. That's what's going on in Washington, D.C., and that's good news. I want to transition a little bit, and we're going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein and whether he committed suicide or not towards the end of the show, at least the last half of the show. But one thing I want to talk about right now is that President uh, Obama, you know, he used to lecture Americans about, you know, the dangers of climate change, how we need to be more mindful of our carbon emissions and how the world's when the world's falling apart because of climate change, the ocean is rising, we're all going to flood. On and on and on about how America is treating the planet badly because we like to drive our big SUVs, we like to fly airplanes, etc. Well, here's the news story today. Former President Barack Obama and his wife, Michelle Obama, they're buying a $15 million house in Martha's Vineyard. A 29-acre beachfront plot with 7,000 square feet heating and cooled. What's wrong with that? Well, inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. Any American that wants to buy any size house, if they have the money, do it. On this show, we don't shame the rich. If you're rich, good for you. But my point in bringing this up is that the liberal elites, being the Obamas and their crowd, they've been lecturing the world and lecturing Americans about how we need to reduce our carbon footprint. How do we do that? Well, we start driving these smart, eco-friendly cars that go tops of 50 miles an hour, which doesn't do you any good on the interstate. They want us to ride our bike to work. They want us to get electric cars, live in smaller homes, fly less airplanes, or fly on airplanes less. So they're continually preaching about climate change or so-called climate change. And what are they doing? Buying a 7,000-square-foot house in Massachusetts. And I don't even want to know how many air conditioning units that needs to cool 7,000 square feet. And this is the problem. There's two problems here. First, so-called man-made climate change is fake. There's absolutely zero scientific evidence that shows that me driving a truck makes the world, the environment, a worse place to live in. Absolutely, there is zero evidence to show that carbon emissions 
is carbon emissions are making the sea levels rise. First off, I don't even know if the sea levels are even rising or not. But this whole idea of man-made climate change is fake. You know, the left always talks about how, you know, the right-wingers are throwing up conspiracy theories and this and that, and we're, we're just Looney Tunes and we don't know what we're talking about. That's, that's all the left does is talk about stuff that they don't know what they're talking about. You want to talk about the biggest conspiracy theory? Well, let's talk about the Russia hoax. <laughs> I mean, the entire Russia narrative, the Russia investigation was all built on falsehoods. It was all literally fake. Everything was staged. Everything was fake. And they spent two to three years, millions of dollars investigating something that they knew all along was fake. So the Democrats are chief leaders. They are the leaders of conspiracy theories. They are the leaders of conspiracy theories. And man-made climate change is just one of many conspiracy theories that the Democrats push. I digress. We move on. Jeffrey Epstein. Let me give a little backstory on Jeffrey Epstein. What we know is that he was convicted in Florida over a decade ago on trafficking and prostitution charges, which the charges were extremely lowered by a U.S. attorney in Florida at the time. But all evidence shows that Jeffrey Epstein the multimillionaire was a serial abuser of girls. Not women, girls, underage girls. So that's what we know about who he is. Along with that, Epstein was known to hang out with very well-known politicians, millionaires, billionaires, government leaders, movie stars, etc. One of the many friends of Jeffrey Epstein was none other than former President Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton flew, first it was originally thought, that Bill Clinton flew on Jeffrey Epstein's plane 11 times. We now know that the flight logs show that Jeffrey Epstein flew on, uh, I'm sorry, Bill Clinton, the former president, flew on Jeffrey Epstein. Remember who Jeffrey Epstein is. The serial abuser of girls, the human trafficker, etc. Bill Clinton flew on Jeffrey Epstein's plane not 11 times, not 15 times, not 20 times, 26 times Bill Clinton flew on Jeffrey Epstein's plane. Here are some of the trips that Bill Clinton took with Jeffrey Epstein. Hong Kong, Japan, Singapore, China, Brunei, London, New York, Belgium, Norway, Russia, Africa. These were typically multi-day flights, multi-day trips that Bill Clinton took with Jeffrey Epstein. 
It is also believed that that Bill Clinton went to Jeffrey Epstein's island near the Virgin Islands. And that island was known for illegal activity with underage girls. So that's a little backgrounder on who Jeffrey Epstein is. Now let's talk about his death. Jeffrey Epstein was uh, arrested at an airport in the Northeast when he flew back from Paris, France in early July. Epstein was arrested by the FBI pending uh, charges on some of the uh, some of the same charges that he faced uh, over a decade ago in Florida. Prostitution, trafficking uh, of underage girls, etc., etc. So Epstein gets gets locked up in the in a in a jail called the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York City in Manhattan on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Beginning in early July. Well, here's the timeline. Jeffrey Epstein, in mid to late July, I think it's July 23rd is the date, is found in his jail cell with a bruise around his neck. No one knows what happened. Did he try to hang himself? Was he assaulted? No one knows. It's a, it's a mystery to this day. At the same time, Epstein had a cellmate, an ex-police officer who was uh, sentenced to death, convicted on various charges, a felon. Well, just a couple hours before Epstein ended up committing suicide in early August, Epstein's cellmate was abruptly transferred to another holding cell hours before Epstein committed suicide. That's one interesting fact. His cellmate was mysteriously transferred hours before Epstein died. Here's another thing. At least eight of the prison staffers some of whom were high-level officials within the prison, knew that Jeffrey Epstein was not to be left unattended. The instructions within the prison were clear. Jeffrey Epstein is not to be left unattended. That means he is to always have a cellmate. And so all of these prison guards and officials ignored the clear directive that Epstein is not to be left alone. What do they do? Disregard the rules, transfer the cellmate hours before Epstein dies. Another interesting fact is that Epstein's cellmate, Nicholas Tartaglone, a former cop was told by prison guards 
that he needed to, quote, stop talking to investigators after Epstein's death. What did they tell him? That he would have a, quote, price to pay if he talked to federal investigators. Lastly, but not least, last but not least, some of the mysteries surrounding Epstein's death is that correction officers falsified the reports saying that they checked on Epstein every 30 minutes as required by protocol. From what we know today, the guards falsified documents and wrote in the documents that they were checking Epstein every 30 minutes. And guess what they were doing? They were supposedly sleeping. They were supposedly sleeping. And so there's all these questions surrounding Epstein's death. And the media is calling these questions conspiracy theories. The media is calling anyone who questions Epstein's death a conspiracy theorist. But at the same time, no one can answer what happened here. And another aspect to this, and, and you might ask, well, do I believe that someone killed Jeffrey Epstein? Well, I really don't know. There's not enough evidence out there to suggest one way or the other, whether Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide or whether someone killed him. Because many people wanted Jeffrey Epstein dead. Probably including all of the people that participated in the illegal activity with Jeffrey Epstein and underage girls. So were there people out there that wanted Jeffrey Epstein dead? Absolutely there were. There still are. But, they, but he's dead now. Could he have committed suicide? Sure, he could have committed suicide. But here's what I believe is going to come out. I believe that it is going to come out at some point in the future, probably six months to a year, that prison officials set up intentionally the perfect scenario so that Jeffrey Epstein could commit suicide on his own. That's what all indicators are pointing towards, that prison guards, prison officials took all the necessary steps to ensure that Jeffrey Epstein was in a situation to commit suicide. That's what all the indicators are. But the FBI, the Department of Justice, is looking into this, and when they finish their investigation, we'll take a look at it, and we'll see what they have to say. But it's not crazy and it's not a conspiracy theory to ask questions as to how one of the most well-known criminals in our country during 2019 was allowed to commit suicide on watch of the federal government. And one other angle to this that's kind of a side note, but I want to mention it. If you talk to the Democrats, they'll say, that private prisons are a bad idea, 
private penitentiaries are a bad idea. We need to move to all federal prisons. We need to do away with private prisons. We only need to go with federal, federally funded, federally staffed prisons with the Bureau of Prisons. But guess where this happened? A federal penitentiary in, in, in downtown Manhattan. And so Democrats, as part of their soft on crime, criminal, quote, criminal justice reform movement, they have no more credibility to say that we need to shift away from private prisons and towards government-run facilities because, as it's turning out, the government-run facilities are some of the worst-run facilities in the country. If you read the descriptions of what was going on in this prison, it was like a prison in a third world country. And I'm no advocate for better prison conditions for felons and murderers, but the security breaches at this prison were absolutely inexcusable, and all of this happened under the federal government's watch. And this drives directly to a point that I make so often on this show, and that is the more control, the more power, and the more things, and the more responsibilities we place under the control of the government, the more likely they are to get messed up. And whether that's the prison system, whether that's the welfare system, whether that's how we handle our Social Security account, on and on and on, the more that is placed under the control of the government, the more likely it is to get mishandled, corrupted, and messed up. And that's what we see here in New York. We had a prison with 750 inmates, and guess how many workers they had on staff? 18. They had 18 guards the night that Jeffrey Epstein, or the morning that Jeffrey Epstein allegedly, in air quotes, committed suicide. The prison full of 750 inmates had 18 guards on duty, and some of them we know were not certified guards. They were like cooks, librarians, and receptionist that were filling in for guards that were not missing. The last angle I'll say is people can't say that there's not jobs out there, that there's not jobs for Americans to take because we know at least in Manhattan there's some prison guard jobs at the correctional facility in lower Manhattan. Thanks for tuning in to Exposing Washington on American Family Radio Network. You can visit our website, AFR.net, to find out more information. I'll see you next week on American Family Radio.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.